With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Steelers offense makes a bad play. Randy Feetner called it. Steelers offense makes a good play. Ben took over. Put on his cape. Went no huddle. Renegade! <laughs> wow! Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this, the newly reborn DK Sports Radio Podcasting Network. And yes, it's okay to laugh. It's okay. The Steelers came roaring back. Biggest comeback of the Mike Tomlin era with their 28-24 victory over the Colts, finally clinching the AFC North Division Championship. And maybe just as important, rendering next weekend's game in Cleveland utterly pointless and giving at least some players, presumably Ben Roethlisberger, Marquise Pouncey, Cam Hayward, guys like that, the bye week they've missed out on all season. Good stuff. Just such good stuff that second half. Uh, It's not just about the result. It's not just about adjustments that were made. It's not even just about Ben Roethlisberger, although he's going to earn all the headlines that he gets after this. To me, this was mostly about Ben just getting comfortable. I I don't think there's some magic descriptor for this event. Ben started to feel like himself, started hitting passes downfield. That's it. I'd been saying and writing all along that I didn't believe Ben's physical issues to be significant. That obviously was corroborated with what we saw in the second half. I also didn't believe that the team was going to stay like that offensively, the way they were in Cincinnati, the way they were in the first half of this game, forever. So something happened. Something did happen. But what? What was it? This segment of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Warrior Alpaca Socks. What makes these socks different is the alpaca fiber used in their construction. It's stronger, softer, far less irritating to the skin, more breathable, and warmer than wool. Warrior Alpaca Socks are hypoallergenic as well, and they come in a wide variety of styles and colors, from outdoor work socks to cozy bed socks, lightweight diabetic compression socks, and they all look and feel great. Treat yourself or someone you like to some comfort 
with a pair from warrioralpacasocks.com. And when you go there, make sure you use the code DK to receive 15% off your first order. Again, it's warrioralpacasocks.com. There's a great little trend that's been going on with Steelers fans all season, maybe even to an extent into last season, but really this season, because Ben is back. So you couldn't blame Ben as the quarterback. It had to be something more. Ben, did anything change with the, the, the play calling between the first and second half? And, it, and if it didn't, uh, how do you explain how much more effectively you were able to throw the ball downfield and, and everybody making plays? Well, it's just what you said right there. Guys are making plays. Um, you know, you as a quarterback, you have to be accurate and you have to give guys the opportunity to make plays. Um, and in the, in the second half, the, the, the line gave me time. And, you know, sometimes when you're going with the up-tempo or, or the no-huddle, you can – kind of slow down a pass rush. You know, guys are getting a little tired. You can make defenses call sometimes um, less exotic things. And so um, that's kind of what we, we try to do in the second half. There's a narrative for everything, it seems, associated with the Steelers. It's not enough that Juju scores a terrific touchdown, really nice adjustment underneath a deep pass. Nope, it's got to be something, something, something to do with his dancing or whatever. Everything about the Steelers is attached to some kind of narrative. Almost all of those being conjured up from the outside. But my favorite, without a doubt, through the 2020 season, has been that every bad play is designed by Randy Feetner and every good play is just when Ben swipes that playbook out of Randy's hands and says, I'll do this myself, coach. And that mushroomed yesterday like crazy. I saw it on our site, saw it on social media, heard it everywhere. It was that Randy was finally put in his place. Somebody else did the play calling. I saw Ben talking to Matt Canada on the sideline. That means that Matt Canada is now the de facto coordinator. Okay. Ben was talking to Matt Canada because he always does. The reason for that is, is that Matt Canada is the quarterback's coach. Ben is the quarterback. So Ben was talking to Matt Canada. Ben went to a no huddle. The Steelers went to a no huddle. Randy Feetner went to a no-huddle. Mike Tomlin went to a no-huddle. Somebody went to a no-huddle in the second half. But anyone who thinks it was Ben unilaterally isn't familiar with, and in fairness maybe couldn't be familiar with, the inner workings of the Steelers. It's just not how they roll. Mike Tomlin will give a lot of latitude to his veterans, and the franchise quarterback's obviously not going to be any exception. But the fairy tale that Ben just took over, the play calling, I think some people say it jokingly to their credit, but I really get the impression that there's a big, big chunk of this fan base that takes it seriously. What happened to Randy Feetner? Where did he go? Who kidnapped him? Why did they start throwing the ball downfield all of a sudden? 
I'm going to try to explain how the offense actually operates, and then we'll see if we can apply it to what we saw yesterday because there are confusing elements to it. No question about it. Plain and simple, the playbook is the playbook. It's agreed upon and studied by everyone involved, particularly Randy Feetner, Ben Roethlisberger, and Matt Canada. Canada is a late arrival to the playbook, but his input has been very much instrumental, especially with the stuff that you've seen um, earlier on in the season with the reverses and all a lot of the motion that was going on before. And they went back to a little bit of that yesterday at times with an end around or two. The deep passes have always been in the playbook. Randy Feetner, just like you and me and Matt Canada and Ben Roethlisberger, has seen the safeties moving way up. They have seen the linebackers breathing down the necks of the defensive linemen. They have wanted, I really, really, really believe this, based on visual evidence, but also just listening to some of what they've said in recent weeks, meaning Tomlin, Feetner, and others. They have wanted to go downfield. In Cincinnati, for everything that went wrong, they at least tried to go downfield. They went one of 12 on passes that traveled 15 or more yards, but they wanted, they saw it. Whatever else it is that you might think, about Randy Feetner, you can't presume that he's that bleeping stupid that he wouldn't see that, that he wouldn't want to do something about it. But things aren't that simple. You have a 38-year-old quarterback who's heading to the Hall of Fame, a guy who's won Super Bowls here, It's not as simple as saying, hey, Ben, I am ordering you to throw the ball downfield. Because if Ben sits in that room with Randy and and Matt Canada and says to them, hey, guys, I mean, I can't say this stuff in public, but you see this pocket collapsing around me? I mean, I got to get rid of this ball. I got to do that. You got to give me some way to get rid of the ball. I've been suggesting all along that that's what this was that it originated really with the offensive line. And those of you who listen to this podcast regularly, and I'm grateful for everyone that does, will know that last week one of the things that I suggested that this offense do is to just keep a little bit more protection back and give Ben the extra second that he seems to believe he doesn't have, and maybe, in fact, didn't have. Try it a different way. Instead of just saying, you got to get rid of the ball, Ben, got to get rid of the ball, do something where you keep 
a more reliable blocker in. It doesn't mean go max protect at midfield, but it might mean, hey, here's a down or two with Vance McDonald instead of Eric Ebron, or here's three wide receivers instead of four. Here's James Conner out there instead of Benny Snell, so you have a more reliable blitz picker upper at running back. We saw that happen in the second half. How does the Steelers' offense operate? Swinging back to that, Randy Feetner is 100% responsible for the personnel sent onto the field. Everyone has acknowledged that. Ben has acknowledged that himself multiple times this season alone. So the people who got sent onto the field were sent out there in the second half, even as Chase Claypool was welcomed back into the offense right away, and Ben hits him for a pass, and ooh, look at that, sticks move. Ben hits him for another pass. Whoa, this is great. Ben hits him for a bomb, like down by the goal line. This is, this is, wow. Had forgotten what this looked like. Now, the Steelers totally botch it down there, and this is where you can rip Feetner into eternity. He's got to get this thing out of his head about the goal line and needing to be clever down there, especially since James Conner had just pounded it in uh, before that for the Steelers' only touchdown to that point. Conner wasn't even at running back for any of the four snaps down there. Steelers, of course, end up turning the ball over on downs. It looked awful. looked like the end of the game, maybe the end of the world. But somewhere in there, the quarterback threw the ball downfield successfully and had at least a fair amount of protection in doing so and probably felt a little bit good about it, you know? He's taken a lot of hits lately, not so much physically, but definitely, you know, from the outside in terms of criticism. People asking him if he's done, if, you know, what's hurting you, what's wrong with you, and he keeps saying there's nothing, it's nothing. That can't be easy to take no matter how accomplished you are in your career. Maybe it's even tougher if you've achieved as much as he has. So the next time they're on the field and he does complete another deep ball, it doesn't look like it fell from Pluto or something. It was just, a, it was just another throw that Ben made and another good catch that a receiver made. And they start feeling more into it. The big touchdown to Deontay Johnson pristine spiral from Ben. Deontay dives forward to catch it. Gorgeous, confidence-building stuff. Exactly what I'd been talking about for weeks now. Weeks. That they all somehow needed to start feeling better about themselves. But first and foremost, the quarterback had to feel better. Then there was more, the, the gorgeous soft touch on the aerial to Juju Smith-Schuster, who made a 
really nice turn to the left while the ball was up in the air to adjust to where Ben placed the ball. It was more about where the Colts weren't than where Juju was. Juju was the one that had to make that adjustment on the fly, and he did so beautifully. But it's beautiful on both ends, that play. Uh, This simple toss to Eric Ebron for another touchdown. Ebron just gets near the goal line and scores. He's had all kinds of flaws this year, and I've been rough on him at times. But the guy does the number one thing the Steelers wanted from him when he was acquired, and that's scoring touchdowns. He does that. And then, and then a miracle occurred in the fourth quarter. That's right. The Steelers broke off actual running plays. You know why they did that? Because the safeties had to back off. The linebackers had to back off. You know why? Because they could finally, finally say that they had to take the quarterback in the intermediate slash deep game seriously. If you want to turn that into a thing about Randy Feetner having had his playbook hijacked from him, go nuts. It's a free planet. You know, you can do what you want. It's just football. We can all say stuff. But know right now that it's absurd. And know that when Ben goes into no huddle, when Ben does his RPOs, the read pass options, when he does those things, he's still operating from a playbook and from a specific set of plays that is assigned to him by the offensive coordinator. So no, Randy Feetner didn't just all of a sudden shake off being spectacularly stupid and become brilliant in the second half. That didn't happen either. A bunch of guys who had been grossly underachieving as an offense, most notably the quarterback, just started feeling good about themselves. Nothing else to it. When we come back, just one question. Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Time for just one question, and that's brought to you on this program by Luxembourg, Garbett, Kelly, and George. That's a personal injury law firm that represents people who are hurt in car accidents, who need help with workers' comp, who filed medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG have been AV rated. That is the highest rating a law firm can receive for legal ability and ethics. They've also been designated super lawyers. That's capital S, capital L. That's an official thing for over 15 years. That is a rare combination in the legal industry. LGKG has offices in Cranberry, Newcastle, Beaver Falls, Butler, and Elwood City. You can learn more online 
at lgkg.com or just give them a call, 888-842-5454. Tell Larry Kelly that we sent you there. Today's question comes from Kai Vaughn, who asks, start Mason Rudolph. Of course, he's talking about next week. How much of a troll job, Kaivon continues, would it be for him to knock the Browns out of the playoffs after their loss to the Jets? Oh, wow. The mind boggles. It just does. Uh, The first thing I'll say to this is that I'll actually be surprised and really disappointed if Rudolph isn't the quarterback for the entirety of that game. Uh, It wouldn't make any sense whatsoever to start Ben Roethlisberger. The Steelers don't have a chance, of course, at the number one seed in the AFC. Uh, The Chiefs clinched that. The Steelers have clinched the AFC North. The seedings are what the seedings are. Uh, Wherever it is that they go to play, I'm sorry, whoever it is that comes to Heinz Field to play them uh, in the first round isn't something that you'd really have any great benefit in trying to alter by beating the Browns for that purpose. But beating the Browns for another purpose, that'd be a lot of fun. (laughs) That would be a lot of fun. I do think you're going to see Ben take a seat. I do think you're going to see other guys, Marquise Pouncey, Cam Hayward, uh, T.J. Watt might be another. Uh, it's I think a lot of it is going to be decided, if you're familiar with Tomlin's history of these things, A, he, he goes for the, the main veterans, and that's where uh, Ben and Marquise and Cam pop to mind right off the bat. But other guys who are nursing... Uh, Smaller injuries, what he refers to as bumps and bruises. There were no official injuries announced by the Steelers yesterday, and Tomlin confirmed as much after the game uh, verbally. But we saw T.J. Watt uh, limping off pretty good after a Stephon Tuitt sack of Phillip Rivers in which both of them came down on top of T.J., and he was uh, limping around a bit. Deontay Johnson appeared to mess up his right ankle or right foot on a punt return. He was out there as part of what was supposed to be some kind of gimmick play that never really materialized, but he ended up getting banged up. But he also came back in and played. My point is is that those are the guys that you look at uh, to give a rest to against the Browns. Uh, For Mason Rudolph to take the field... In Cleveland, first of all, will be a neat thing in and of itself. For the Browns and Miles Garrett and everybody else to walk into that stadium in a completely desperate situation, which the Browns now find themselves in. I mean, they were all this and that about winning the AFC North when they watched the Steelers struggling, and and now they're sitting where they are, possibly out of the playoffs. Uh, I mean, the only thing that could make it better is if you had the usual 73,000 packed into that place, you know? That's the only thing that could make that whole scene better. Dogs barking and all that other stuff. 
Mason Rudolph is um, not the type to get real vocal. And it took some doing to get him to pipe up even as much as he did after what was done to him last season. And I'm underscoring what was done to him because two things were done to him. One was that Miles Garrett swung a helmet at his head. The other is that Miles Garrett lied, accusing Mason Rudolph of racism when absolutely nothing of the kind was corroborated by anyone on the field. And for that matter, Miles Garrett didn't bother to mention it to anybody either for five full days. And then it just came to him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was on Friday of that week. That is a script that's begging to be written, but especially, especially because it's him, it's the Browns, it's the end of the season, it's become a rite of winter that the Steelers do something, something to mess up the Browns, usually by forcing them to fire their coaches either later that day or the following morning so that they can bring in somebody else who's useless. To his credit, Kevin Stefanski's been... Uh, apparently a pretty nice find for them. But I'm guessing the people in Northeast Ohio aren't saying that about him after he lost to the New York bleeping Jets. And yes, I know Cleveland didn't have their wide receivers, and it shouldn't matter. It could be a lot of fun, Kaivon. It really, really could. Uh, I'm not so much looking forward to covering the game from the the standpoint of what it means to the Steelers. There will be certain things that you look for, certain things you hope to see. But from that standpoint, woohoo, yeah, give me that. Thanks so much for the, the question. It's a good question. I hope to get more. Leave them in comments. Uh, it's the best and easiest way for me to find them, uh, meaning right there on DK Pittsburgh Sports, uh, underneath the article that lists the podcast of the day, there's a comment section. Just leave, you know, whatever it is that's on your mind. Thanks to everybody for listening. Point Park University, in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Your front door. Your car. Your gym locker. Your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.